just look back and I go, you know, when we started with Tanya, we didn't know our numbers. We, we didn't do the budgets and you have to do that. And, and you have to build your culture or you'll continually run into where your friction with your employees and with your clients. Okay, well, thank you everybody for tuning in yet again for another episode of The Gab Lab, a show that's designed to bring you financial information and intel that won't only blow your mind, but it's there to build your bottom line as well. I'm your show host, Tanya Woods-Richardson, and today's guest, not one, but two financially fierce founders. We've got brothers in the lab today, Jason and Harley. Welcome to The Gab Lab. Thanks for having us. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for a great introduction. Oh, well, yeah. Well, now we're going to get into it. I just, you know, I am so glad that you're here because we've shifted this series a little bit before, and we still do, but we were always talking to financial experts that were talking to founders about what we should be doing in our business when it comes to numbers and nailing those numbers. And now over the course of the last several episodes, we've been talking with founders like you, founders that have had the courage to really talk about their business, some of the financial mishaps that have gone on, how they've addressed them and how they've kind of risen to the occasion and, and succeeded despite them. So thanks for being in here. And, and again, thanks for, uh, thanks for having the courage to show up and, and tell us your story. So appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So maybe guys, maybe let's start with telling the audience a little bit about you guys, your, your brothers, your founders in business, your partners in business. Maybe tell us a little bit about the business so everybody can kind of wrap their head around what it is that you've actually built. Uh, so back in 2002, we started, uh, started out just trucking uh, hotshot. Uh, since then, we've uh, added a pipe yard and then kind of morphed more less into uh, hotshot, more into just uh, general oil field picker work, uh, but trying to uh, highlight the pipe yard and kind of working in tandem. So we're not just relying on just the trucking, the pipe yard helps us retain business because the pipe yard that we uh, do have, uh, we have uh, tried out some other avenues along the way. Some of them, have worked for a time being and then eventually fade off or they didn't work and so we've uh, snipped the cord and uh, but uh, through the last now going on 11 years the pipe yard and the trucking have uh, remained um, uh, definitely through some turbulent times but uh, here we remain so uh, and we're so glad that you are still here. You have been through ups and downs, I think, like a lot of businesses, right? I have to say, though, one thing that has always impressed me about you guys is that through the downturns, A, you don't let the downturn get to you, but you consistently want to learn through it and you push through it. So it's not just about let's get back up there. It's about how can we do this differently, right? Hence all these different ideas and uh, the evolution of the business. So I just wanted to, to put that out there because that's huge. Not a lot of founders do that. Yeah, I think I think one of the, the main things, you know, especially in the last uh, five years here, right, is, is uh, um, especially for someone like Jason, right, is, is giving him the opportunity to not be uh in the business but working on the business right mm -hmm. so he's not you know necessarily involved in the day-to-day -day stuff it allows him time to uh, focus big picture see the clients see what's see what's going on within the business 
and allowing him to address the uh, pitfalls and downfalls that have kind of gone through the business and allowing everybody to grow and nurture within the business, right? So uh, that's one of the big things within the last five years. And the other thing uh, is is nailing the numbers, right? Uh, crunching down and taking the smallest piece of your business and can we do this better? Is there, you know, even if the price is the same, are we happy with the service that we're getting? Is there somebody else out there uh, providing better service for the same price, right? And and trying to uh, analyze and, and then at the end of the day, if, if you're happy with where you're at, then moving on to the, to the next thing, right? That's great. We've addressed that one piece of the business. We think that is uh, where it needs to be for now, right? Uh, not just leaving that for the next 10 years, but somewhere down the road, readdressing that, right? But constantly going through this. And so it's kind of a constant thing uh, throughout the last five, six years here, right? Uh, are we getting the best, you know, internet provider? Are we getting the best uh, gas mileage? Are we getting the best fuel price? Are we getting, you know, tire-wise, are we, are we getting the best uh, tires out there? Maybe not the best, but best for what we're needing, you know, uh, we we had a, a conversation here uh, with within the last couple months talking about uh, talking to um, one of the towing guys uh, in town and and he had mentioned uh, specifically about this one brand of tires that uh, for steer tires and uh, throughout this heat in the last summer uh, he's noticed that uh, there's been semis that have gone off the road down into banging off bridges down into a river. And what he noticed was that all of the steer tires were all this one same brand. And so, you know, he was just saying to us, right, uh, I'm not sure who you're with, but this one brand seems to have problems in the heat just during the summer. He said, I've never noticed it before, right? So then it got him digging into it and found out, you know, some other details regarding it. And and so, you know, it's allowed us to readdress with our guys. This is why we have this certain brand of tires on for our steers, right? And it just helps reaffirm what we're already doing, right? And uh, so just, you know, keeping your ears open and, and making sure that you're listening to the information that is out there, right? Well, and I think that's one thing that you guys have both done very well is is crunching the numbers and making making sound decisions based on the information that's in front of you. And so it's not always just about what is what is most financially feasible, but I know your brand in particular with your company, T-Bar One, is very much about safety. And in the trucking industry, that's a huge deal, um, especially of late with the number of accidents we've been seeing on the road. So I just wanted to make that correlation between financials and profit and obviously making decisions that are in the best interest of your team and the people on the road that they can, they can coincide because a lot of people think that when we talk about profitability, it's like the be all and end all of our decisions. So I love that you've, you've brought that up, Harley. Um, maybe just to clarify for everybody, what are, your, what are your roles in the business? Harley, what do you take care of? And Jason, what do you take care of? And how do they dovetail into numbers? What do you take care of? Uh, so right now I'm the operations manager. I look after um, the pipe period that we currently have, uh, look after a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff, um, 
any of the incoming calls, the random stuff going on in the in the office. Uh, just making sure everybody, all the employees that are coming and going, everybody's happy. Um, and then, yeah, that's that's mostly the gist of it. I awesome. Say. Okay. So operations and Jason. Uh, I'd be the president, and um, I'm the visionary. I'm the executioner, Ex and um, I'm the culture builder. Culture builder. I love it. Do we hear? I guess and that's you know, another it, podcast. Is getting into what culture? Well, you know, you know, it's it's interesting when I when I look back on it, and uh, the little things matter. Everything matters. And you, you got to, you know, you, you think about, you know, for example, we were seven days from losing the company in 2016 with the old crash. And that's when we met Tanya and, and then did her, you know, I, I remember being when we first started that you knew so much and you're going to do so much. And then as time is going on, I realize how little I know. And as time goes on, how I, I realize even less. And then it, then it, it turns into where you know, as you learn and you learn about the budgets and the numbers and, and how to forecast. And, you know, I really live by um, where there's no vision, the people perish. And, and we've seen it firsthand with us, whether you're going through something like a fire or whether you have an opportunity like abandonments. Um, you know, we, we were ahead of the curve on the abandonments here at the start of this year because you could just see where this was leading. And we were six months into it and we had competitors that still hadn't filled out their paperwork. Can and, I just we ask, Jason, being, sorry, I just want to ask sorry? there, because I, I think you might have listeners no. that are like, what's an abandonment? Maybe can so you just clarify what that is? With COVID, the government came out with an abandonment program to get rid of old wells. Okay. Right. And that would help the industry where uh, not only was it helping the environmental side by getting rid of these old wells, but it was also helping the industry because it would provide jobs. Okay. Work. And so we just really uh, tried to get ahead of the curve. We seen where it was going with the Aboriginal side of things too. So we, we found a partner there and that has kept, you know, people ask us how we've been and we've been pretty much flat out busy since mid February. We've been our best breakup ever, which is the April, May season. And we really don't have any new drills around Lloyd. And so it was, it's just leading where, you know, and, and going to the culture thing, I didn't used to do it. I used to hire guys, oh, somebody knows somebody, or here's a buddy, or, you know, this guy's got 20 years of experience. And, and I've really been able to, uh, I've really been able to crunch it down to where uh, I want to hire good people. And so I don't look at, you know, it, and you look for little things. So if their resume comes in, they've had eight jobs in the last two years, that's, that tells me something's wrong already. So I don't look at it. But if somebody looks like they've had jobs, have a reference. They'll tell you right away. The reference is good. Then they come in and, you know, we, we set up a culture here where people who want to be at home at night with their family, they want to have some weekends off. And so I've had where I've interviewed people and they want to just make tons of money. And I say, we're probably not the right fit. And it's okay because there's other people. It's okay for them. But by doing that over time, we've built this culture of guys that have the same interests as us and push the same way and, and enjoy the work they're doing. And so it gives a better um, feel out there for the clients and, um, you know, and then all the other things that go with business, running a budget, diversifying, you know, finding, finding different diversifications, even within the industry, all that great stuff. But, uh, I, I just look back and I go, you know, when we started with Tanya, we didn't know our numbers. We, we didn't do the budgets and you have to do that. And, and you have to build your culture. And, so and your why? culture can be different than ours, but it, you have to build that culture or you'll continually run into 
where your friction with your employees and with your clients. So Jason, let's go back to that 2016. Um, you had talked about the catalyst to that being that, you know, you had mentioned that you were close to kind of the, the end of the rope. And then yep. just now you mm-hmm. mentioned the importance of doing budget. So I know that, can we just talk a, a little bit about that? Because I know most founders, they would prefer to go to the dentist and get their teeth pulled, than sit down and do a budget. Why is that so important? And what difference has that made to you in the business? Well, you know, I agree with you. At the very start, it is like going to the dentist. Um, but over, the, over a couple of years, you fine tune it. You know, and I started off doing a budget for a year and, and, and trying to over be too precise. Mm-hmm. And then as time went along, I started to like, now I run a budget, not only for the trucking company, but the farm we have, and I, and it's got four years, right? So I run four years and it's constantly moving and it just allows you, it just takes the stress off because you can see where you're going. We know where we're going with the truck company. We know that in a year we are losing half of our payments. It really gives you the ability to see the the outlook, but I'll give you a different reason too. It gave us the ability to see as we're going the numbers, like this is gonna be probably our best year in the last six. And now we were able to make a decision in the middle of summer to go, you know what, we're gonna increase our sales a little bit. We're gonna go out there and be ahead again of our competitors and send out some swag to the consultants and to our clients. And and it just gives you that visit. It takes the stress off you because when you're running blind, then you have a great month and you're up here and then you have a terrible month and you're down here and, and you're just in such a yo-yo whereas you know i knew that august was going to be a tough month for us because we had three payrolls coming out because we do every second week so i just knew it right i can see it and so then when it happens and actually our month is probably going to be better than i thought it was it still mm-hmm. wasn't a great month but i'm prepared for it and i can still see by the year-end numbers where we're at and i can still see that we're out of our bad lease and i can still see that we're going to be where we're dropping all these payments by august of next year it gives me the idea that hey we're going to really every time i stand up and say hey guys let's go buy one more truck that everybody can tell me jay sit down right <laughs> and and it, it just because you have that vision and, and by having that vision, it just, it leads you where you are. You can see um, even, you know, you can see if you're, you're tailing off on a certain product or a certain trucking uh, unit, like uh, if our one tons are doing less than they used to, uh, maybe that's where I focus my sales, right? And always remembering that you, you always want to focus 80% of your sales on your existing customers. There, there was, there was one, there was a few things to kind of go on what Jay's talking about there where, uh, by us, you know, him doing the budget and then us sitting down as a team and looking at the numbers, it may, it all of a sudden got to the point where we're going, our repairs on this one unit are costing us more than a brand new unit would be to just go lease. Let's get this one to auction or sell it privately, whatever you need to do. And let's just go get a new one because at the end of the day, now we've got a brand new unit and we're actually saving ourselves money, even though you know, the repair, you're not seeing all those repairs, right? And so, but then it takes, helps takes the stress away because now you've got a brand new unit again, which is less stressful than something that, and it helps with the culture again, because now guys are proud of the unit that they're driving, right? And so it's, it's all this one big, huge cycle here, right? Oh, I love it. It sounds like, I, I know this is my experience and it sounds like it's your experience too, that it's empowering that it doesn't put you in this situation of constantly reacting to things, that you're a little bit, A, more proactive, but you also know that if something does come up, 
is just a matter of going back to the numbers and then working it through, right? Like it's, I always find financials are like a, a business plan in numbers, right? And then you translate mm -hmm. it onto paper, but it, it tends to make sense. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, would, I would say regarding any of it, right? The, the biggest hurdle that we have had uh, when I first started, you know, which is 11 years ago now compared to now is our stress level is completely different even than five years ago, right? I mean, we went through COVID and we weren't even as stressed as we were coming off of, you know, one of the best years to, you know, a down year, right? Yeah. When the oil patch starts to crash, right? The last year should have been the most stressful year of our entire life, right? And we're not even, you know, it's taken away a lot of that stress from the business and the operations and the day-to-day -day operations uh, all because, you know, he's not working in the business. He's working on the business. It allows you the vision. It allows you to see what's coming up, what's going on, what's forecasted, right? Allows you to be looking at the markets. So you kind of, you know, it's, it's a bigger thing that all of a sudden now we're starting to look at the different markets and stuff like that to understand the trends that are going on. But all of this is, started because you know five years ago right and you're trying to get out of this stress bubble right and i think yes. this is uh, i think for any business owner the amount of stress that you carry however you can uh deleverage that right i think is crucial and i think out of any businessman the stress is the number one killer i would say because there's so much to go on right, right. and fortunate for us it's not just the two of us our dad is here as well and so we've kind of got that group and now an advisory board as well, which it just gives you that sounding board where you can kind of, uh, you know, what do you think about this? How do you, how would you do that? You know, uh, somebody else that you can share, you know, uh, what's going on in your business and not necessarily have to worry about, you know, them going to a competitor or anything like that, right? It's just a little bit of somebody to talk to, right? I love that. So I do, I want to touch on advisory boards. I want to touch on, Jason, something that you brought up that I see in a lot of um, male-dominated businesses. I'm trying to be gender <laughs> correct here, but <laughs> typically construction, excavation, trucking, um, it's the topic of equipment and going to buy new equipment because that seems to, you know, women love to buy shoes, men love to buy equipment. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I also want to talk about property. Um, and you had mentioned a fire and I, I, I want to chat a little bit about that with our time that we have left. I just want to go back though and I want to acknowledge and celebrate the work that you guys have done because when we go back to those original days of a under just even understanding our numbers right I think you like many other founders just pull up the accounting you know the notice to readers to go here you know here's the numbers here's what we've been submitting for tax reasons and then we kind of went through them right and made sense of them for you to understand that and what has been so amazing to watch over the years is you're right in the, that, that first couple of months, it was a little uncomfortable, right? Of like, what is this? What is this process, right? What are we doing? You're supposed to help us build our business, not, you know, get into the numbers, but you did it. And then this, there has been just this, this growth and progression with the numbers just becoming um, intuitive to you you actually being able to see through them and read through them and understand how they're all going to add up 
by the end of the year, like as you're, as you're starting off your year. So that has just been such a gift for someone who loves numbers and is trying to encourage other people to love numbers, to get, to get you guys to a place where you are actually loving your numbers. You're loving what they tell you. And as a tool to just, you know, shift and shape and move you where you need to go so you can get rid of the stress. Because the stress is usually financial stress is number one, right? For a lot of founders. So I just I, I, think, I think a lot of time what guys are doing and what we used to do, it's, it's kind of like the numbers went to the account at the end of the year and then you opened up to see if you made money or not, right? And you think <laughs> you're running all year. Woo, we made money this year, you know? And it's, it's yeah. such a tough way to run because you get so emotional at times. So you know, you'll be halfway through the year and some guy comes to you and says, hey, we're going to have all this work over here and you run out and you buy three trucks. And and then at the end, you realize, you know, once the accountant lets you peek into the numbers, you go, well, maybe we didn't make as much from that contract. or Maybe we didn't actually need that much or could we have done something different? And I just find running the other way where we're looking ahead rather than behind, it just really changes your, your viewpoints and it allows you to be a better um, a, a better leader. So, so as you're talking to your people, you have a better vision and, and, you know, it really came home with the fire. You don't realize how many of your employees, they have families, they have, they have their issues at home, how much they rely upon their job and the leader there to steer them in the right direction. Mm. And, 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 and if you're in there day to day, you see the emotion. Sometimes you can get caught up in the emotion. This guy's mad because he had to leave this morning or this guy's mad because he only got 39 hours last week. But, but what you don't realize until you pull yourself above that is how much they rely on you. And when we had the fire, I tell people that the day after the fire, I couldn't believe how many people were so scared. Can we just ex explain, sorry, Jason, can we, sorry, you were yeah. in the middle of a heart. I just, for this, what was the fire? What, because I know so, what the so fire, we had a fire uh, We had a fire on a Sunday night in November um, that caught from one of our winch tractors. Um, it was just uh, some wires malfunctioned and, and after the guy had washed the truck and it was Sunday night, everybody had left and the whole shop went up. It, it it actually starved itself of oxygen so it didn't burn everything but it it was smoke and heat and soot damage throughout the entire shop we lost 10 units out of what you would say is probably 15. wow and, and so when people came the next morning monday morning all they see is this entire company gone and all everybody sees is their mortgages and their and their car payments and their son's hockey team and their daughter's dance recital and how am i going to pay for this? how do i go home to my wife where do i go and, and, and so I found the very first day, I wasn't dealing with insurance companies or, you know, Harley was, right? Harley was our operation guy. He'd deal with the insurance company. I was dealing with people's emotions and fears going, we're going to be okay, guys, right? We got these five trucks here explaining to them how it's going to work. We're going to do this. We're going to talk to CNRL. We're going to fire up the old couple units. We're going to get you going. We're going to get you going. We're, at, we're going to a sale Thursday. And as the guys the next day seen guys out working and things progressing, and, but that first day, if, if, if there was no leadership there, if there was nobody for them to talk to, the whole thing could have just cratered on its own. So it's just, I just find it interesting as you, as you start to pull yourself out of the muck and you start to just lead by knowing where your company is, what contracts you need, what you need for equipment, what the guys need, where your pricing needs to be at. Mm. You, you provide that leadership and stability for all your employees. Oh, that's so important. Vision. The vision helps 
throughout something like that, especially, right? Because it'd be so easy to just throw in the towel, oh, well, that's it, right? But we already know where we're going. We already know what, we're, what we've got coming up. We know how we're going to get there. This is just a speed bump, right? It's all right, guys. This is what's coming up. We already know what's going on. It allows us to just, okay, bing, boom, you know, carry on with life, right? And was it stressful? Absolutely. Was there long days? Absolutely. But it made it easier knowing where you're going to because of the vision that, you know, we've put in place, right? And, and am I correct in the, like the financials helped with that as well? Because that was kind 100%. of a, the, a line to guide is, you out. Okay. Yeah, we had, to re, we had to redo the finances, right? So you've got yeah. a budget set out and also November you have a fire. So yeah. you revamp it, but now you're working with, okay, so if we're able to do this and hit these numbers and these targets, then we're going to be able to survive through this. Yeah. And then we did survive through it and everything's going along great and then COVID hit, right? So thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, I guess the, the one thing I noticed with COVID too is COVID just exposed where people were at financially. So those who were financially vulnerable going into COVID, COVID exposed that. Those that were financially fierce or... I don't even want to say, you know, like the riches were coming, but they were solid, right? You understood what was going on. You take that practice and you continue to apply it to any challenge that comes up. You know, it kind of brings me back to that moment where you were talking, Jason, about the, the longer you're in business, the more you realize you don't know. However, I also find you, you grab tools that will always, that give you this sense of um, empowerment because you know that you'll always be able to get through anything. Yeah. So more stuff's going to be I think, you know, I think it's really important. You know, if I ever had to start another business, you know, there's, there's you got to have, you got to carry your four or five things around in your back pocket, in the back of your mind all the time, because it helps you get through them things. And so for me, it is vision, it's execute, it's culture, right? And it's, and it's knowing your numbers. So if you have them for four things for me, then if I hit a crisis, I automatically revert, revert back to that. I so we had the fire, I revert back. Okay, I need the culture. I got to talk to the guys because I can't lose them. Right. I need the vision. What do I got to do? So automatically you go into that mode. And then the third thing is I got to execute. And they talk about the people that struggle as entrepreneurs and business people are the people that don't execute. You can't muddle around for two or three or four weeks to see what happens. You got you got to. And, and so by me just knowing that in my mind all the time, vision, execute, culture, numbers, I, I just that's my four wow. things. And I hit a crisis. I hit anything. And I revert back to that because, OK, what do I got to do here? Which ones do I got to take? And it allows me. And then the final ones always execute. So then you're out moving. I you're love it. Whether it's I got to go get sales. I lost a contract. I got to go find another one. I lost two drivers. I got to go get some people. Right. I got to talk to these guys. Right. And so. You know, you think COVID was tough. We hit March. Me and Harley made a tough decision. At that point, we had 25 employees. And within a week, we had laid all but four off. Wow. And that, that's tough because we went through it in 2015. And one of the reasons we just both lost the company is because everybody wants to be a positive person, which is great to be positive. But we waited four months to lay people off because, well, maybe what happens if it gets better? Right? But all that cost we ate. And there was no coming back from that. And, and by doing this, we had, so our, our biggest contract we have, we probably do five or five to seven jobs a day for them. We did three jobs the entire month of April for them. If we hadn't done all them layoffs, we were done. Yeah. But by doing that, we were able to adjust. And, and of course, that wasn't the only thing we'd done. We clamped down on like zero sales, zero, just shut her down. 
And then as it started to pick up, our contracts were still there. We were able to still work for the people, started hiring back guys back. And as it went along, we came up through it, right? But it's just a willing to make hard decisions, execute with the with what you, somebody else might have different, um, what's what's their strengths or what they think is yeah. important, but you've got to know what's important to you and then be able to execute yeah. on it. I think that's a really important point. And I'm so grateful that you shared it because I think that, Again, I'm going to stereotype here, but I do see a lot of women in business specifically that tend to martyr up, right? It's always all self-sacrifice and I'll sacrifice the business for the sake of keeping people and not offending or not hurting people's feelings or making sure that, you know, Jane can go home and support her family. But it's like that oxygen Mm -hmm. mask. If you can't put it on the business first and make sure the business survives, then everything else, like it just, it's it's a ripple effect, right? It was a hard lesson to learn. It was a hard lesson to learn back in 15, 16 there. Um, And then, you know, going through it, as Jay's talking about, and you're getting so close to losing the company. Well, you know, now looking back on it, and this was part of the reason why we were able to, like, when Jay talks about we shut it down, like, the week before, everybody still was getting, like, 40 hours, and everybody's going, like, what do you mean we're shutting it down, right? Like, everybody's, what do you mean everybody's laid off? No, like, this is, like, we're you know, everybody's on EI and until we figure this, this side out. Right. Right. Um, but you know, the 2015, 16 in there, right. The, it was just a hard lesson to learn. And at the end of the day, if, if our company fails, it doesn't matter about these employees anymore because now it, it doesn't matter. Like we've lost our business. They've lost their income altogether. They they've lost their job. They got to go find somewhere else anyways. So you're better off to just make the hard, hard cut right off the start and, you know, rip the bandaid off. Right. Because at the end of the day, you can always hire those people back. Right. And if, if it's not as bad as what you think it is, so be it. Right. But you're there. If your business fails, it doesn't matter about all your employees because they're gone anyways. And don't get us wrong. We still make, we make mistakes to this day. And I'll I'll give you an example here where um, we had one employee, He'd had a couple of accidents and we probably should have let him go to protect the rest of the people and the, and the business. And, but he was a local guy and he's a good guy. And so you go, well, we'll continue to work with him. And then he had another one and we lost a contract over it. Mm. And, and then you got to look everybody in the eye about why you couldn't make that tough choice to protect the group, to protect everybody. And, and so I, I really, I, I tell you, it starts right from hiring. Do no question should be left unturned. And, and, and there's been times, I'll give you another little story. I had a young guy come in. He was 18 years old, great big guy, and just jolly, right? Just happy. And he comes in and like you, Jay. For a like you. Job and, <laughs> and he's interviewing for a small for a job. And so I, I, one of the things I asked young guys, well, where do you hope to be in five years? And you know, most young guys go, oh, I don't know, you know, make some money, maybe get my picker ticket because we have picker trucks or something. He goes, oh, I'd love to be a partsman, right? That was just kind of shocking because we have no parts, right? And so I, you know, I took this in and I said to him, you know, I said, and, and then I thought there's no sense just raining down on him. So I said, you know, you were one of the final five guys. I thought so highly of you. And it, it just raised his confidence and his spirit so much. And then I said, if I was you, I would apply at the John Deere's and the, and the Stuart Wright's and the Fort Gary's and the places that have parts, because that's what he wants to do. Right. But in the end, I could have hired him. Right. I could have just went, oh, he's a great guy. I'm going to hire him. But it wasn't the right fit because I know down the road that's not what he wants to do. 
Right. And so I find now I'm asking people, what do you want to do? If, if they come to me and say, well, I want to, I want to haul oil. We don't haul oil. You know, don't get so desperate for people. You're just hiring anybody that'll come in the door. Try and find that fit that, you know, we're looking for guys that want to be home with their family. We're looking for guys that value weekends off. We're also looking for guys that when time's time to go, they work hard. They'll get up at four in the morning and go hard. They'll, they'll put in their 40, 50, 60 hour weeks, but they, they have a balance. And not everybody comes through the doors like that. We get young guys. I want to make a $200,000 this year. I want to make 60 bucks an hour. And I say that that is possible, but you got to go up north to do that. And, yeah. and just don't get so desperate for people that you'll hire anybody that walks in the door. And I just find over time, it takes away from the stress on the people side. I love it. Well, that goes back to your point about building culture, right? Making sure everybody's a fit in that culture. And I think the other big takeaway from that message, at least from what I heard, is that sometimes it goes beyond just the skills of what you're looking for, right? To your point, like you want to be home with family. You value that. It, it's about the values that these people have and that they bring to the job and to mm -hmm. the business. And um, I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I know a lot of people right now, a lot of businesses, um, staff, big issue, right? So again, that whole mm -hmm. desperation uh, thing. And the, the other thing, the other kind of tidbit with that one, right, is for all the, what Jay's talking about in the hiring, we still have hired wrong people, right? There's there's still people that we think this is going to be a good yeah. fit and recognizing that it's not the right fit, uh, you know, and trying to do it as early as possible, right? Listening to the, to the guys that we have already employed and this is part of your own culture again. It's, it's feeding on itself, right? So your guys are coming and talking to you going, I don't like this guy, right? And I don't know why I don't like this guy, but there's something that just, I don't know why, but, but you've got to, you've got to listen, right? You've got to be able to, and if it's, if it's not going to work, then that's okay. Cut, cut cords and start going back through the process again, right? Not everybody is going to be a home run hitter, right? Uh, so you've got to just recognize it for what it is and move on, right? And I, all this comes from, I have made every mistake we have talked about. Everyone. <laughs> That's where we so, learn. But I want people to understand it. This is yes. not where I'm coming from, where I think I know it all. Yes. I have made all these mistakes that we're talking about. So the ones I'm not talking about is because I haven't made that mistake yet. And that's coming up in my future. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talking about mistakes. Um, and I don't want to throw you under the truck on this one, but what is your process now when it comes to buying equipment? So you see a, a beautiful new truck and you're like, oh, wouldn't that be great for the shop? Do you have a process that you guys agree to before you decide to purchase and impact your balance sheet? Any new equipment for all yes, do, those um, people out there that run. I, the I do, I, I, I'm going to say this, though, to just be upfront. Because we went through the fire, we had to go buy a whole bunch of equipment. And so we haven't had as much buying lately, but I will use the point that Harley had made. We had two one tons. And so sometimes we can get in the mode where we're going to run them into the ground because they're making money and they're paid for, right? And so we do check up on our equipment at once a year to check where our costs are. We do a, a project on each individual unit so we can okay. track revenue versus costs. And so last year when I did it, I went, we're spending $3,700 a month just on repairs alone. And to buy two new trucks, the payments are 2,200 a month. Okay. And so you start doing the math on that and you're going, what are we doing? Love right. It. And so we do have that process in place. Um, we're also looking at utilization. So if, you know, 
if we already have 345 tons and you look at the numbers and the third 45 ton hasn't moved a wheel in three months, I don't know if I should go get a fourth one, right? We're, we're trying to find that utilization and that goes back to my sales even. If all my 45 tons are flat out, I'm not focusing on new sales and 45 tons. But if my one tons are hardly moving, then I'm, I'm looking at who can I go talk to to try and pick up more work with them. And then within that, is there more um, diversification I can make, whether it's within the same industry on different clients or whether it's a different industry. And so you're, you're doing that, you're breaking down your different models of what you're, depending on what your business is and then looking at where your utilization is and then how you can diversify within that so that you can withstand longer, longer time, uh, trying, try, trying times longer, right? Part, part of this all too, right, is uh, having that group surrounding you, right? And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know there's been at times, right, whether it's myself or, or Jason or, or our dad, right? Well, I think we need to go get this, you know, we've had all these trucks out all this week, right? And then the other person will go, well, can we survive for another couple of weeks, right? Let's let's kick the can down the road another few weeks and see if we're still that busy. And then you get a couple of weeks further down. Okay, is this going to last for another few weeks, or is the contract, you know, was this only a short little blurb, right? Okay, well maybe let's kick it another couple. Okay, no, well, it's getting to that point here now where we've gone through six, eight weeks, whatever, and it looks like it's going to continue, right? And so okay, well all right, well, now we need to go possibly look at finding a, a unit. And now it's okay, well, is it, are we buying new? Are we buying used? What's out there? It, we're not just, numbers. hey, we, we're running down to the dealership as quick as we can, and we're going to take that one. And, you know, we're, we're trying to overturn rocks different ways, trying to find out uh, the values of stuff, right? Whether it is five years old and, you know, it's, it's the price is cut in half, or it's five years old and for that price we might as well just go buy brand new right and trying there's there's decisions within the decisions within the decisions kind of thing right and so it's it's a process right of, of making sure that you know if we do get to that point where we think we even need one right then yeah. you know there's certain steps that we're check and balancing all the time okay uh, do we actually need one or we're just going through a little blurb here Right. It, it reminds me of a couple of mistakes we made when we first started. Um, we try to be a lot more exhaustive now, whether it's hiring employees, buying equipment, uh, buying the shop and land here. Um, when we first started, you know, a salesman would come and say, hey, I got this 25 ton picker. I'll build you. It'll be, it's top of the line. It's, it's everything. And we just sign and he'd build it. And, you know, we, we, we wouldn't go to a second. We wouldn't look at, you know, maybe we could buy one that's, that's only a year old and we could say, and maybe we can get that for half the price. And then we just didn't know our numbers to give Tanya a little blurb there. And, and it really cost us at the start. It, it, it cost us a lot of money, right? And we could have been doing the same work for the same rates for half the cost. And um, so, for example, with the shop we just bought, we finally got out of a lease that, again, another mistake we made right? And, it's a whole other uh, podcast, that one. Yeah. Crushing, <laughs> crushing, right? That lease was crushing. Yeah. And um, we finally, and I started last uh, July looking at properties. And I, I think in the end, I went through two different real estate agents, three different builders, a couple private landowners, 
uh, I looked at a, probably 15 different properties and, and remembering that, um, you know, where we're from here, we're looking for at least a 10,000 square foot shop with 10 acres. They just don't come around the corner all the time. And I still looked at probably 15 different properties and looked at different things. And honestly was not happy until I found the, the one we're in was the very last one. And it was a friend of mine. I said, Hey, I think I know a guy who's privately selling a place. And because of the experience of everything we went through and all looking at all these places, when I seen it and what he was asking for, I just knew. You just knew. And and because of that, we probably saved ourselves at least a million dollars right off the top. So how much is that in payments? It's in a better location than some of the other places. Um, it's going to be better resale for us 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road or easier to rent out. There were just so many positives. But if we would have just went and bought the first place that comes along, our business suffers for the next 25 years because of that one decision. So it, again, which, it sounds like it's always tying into numbers, right? As which the, then in turn creates stress, right? Or yes. lack thereof, right? Yes. And so yeah. by knowing our numbers, right? And knowing the different properties out there, it was allowing us to go out, know the deal that's there and not have the stress, right? Yeah. Stress yeah. number one killer. Yeah. No, for sure. So um, in wrapping this up, I'm curious if you guys could say a few words. We haven't talked about this before on any of our episodes, but um, talk, talk to us a little bit about advisory boards and how what, what does yours look like and what impact has a board um, had on you, your business, your numbers going forward? Just a, a few words on that, if you wouldn't mind. Just to clarify, not one person on our advisory board has anything to do in our industry. They, they don't know, you know, per se, right? Uh, they know we've got trucks, they know kind of what we do, but there is no experience on our advisory board in our industry. These are all support people that specialize in cer certain fields, right? That when we need somebody that is, you know, uh, needing to go buy us equipment, right? You know, we've talked, we talked to him and, and he can help us out in that area. Right. And, and so it's just adding the people that can support you in your business in a certain field and that can help you. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I think adding to that, I mean, our advisory board, like Harley says, so we have, we have someone who's got a, a great background in helping other businesses and, and, and nailing the numbers. Right got a great smile. So, I mean, that, that's been awesome. And, and, and then, but the second guy, he's a uh, business background really heavily on business development and sales. So that's, a, it's just a different person than the first one. And then our third one is more back, more on the banking se sector side of things. Um, and so it just brings different expertises to the table. And so then when we meet four times a year, you're bringing in three people who have not, they don't care about, A, there's no emotion for them, right? And, and so they're just looking at the numbers and they're asking tough questions without even knowing it because they're not in their day-to-day. -day. Plus they each have their own area of expertise. So we've had meetings where we bring them all in and yeah, we go through the numbers, but on top of it, they're able to, you know, we can specify into a certain area, right? So with the budgets, we have a person that can help us with the budgets and what we're looking at there, maybe how we could fine tune it or what we're missing. And, 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 you know, with the sales things, you know, we've talked about uh, 
in the past, how can we build more clientele? How can we diversify? And you're just bringing in expertise from different industries that um, they just bring in so many different ideas that you just don't know of. And it just adds to your experience and, and still helps solidify your bottom line because they're asking you sometimes the tough questions, which gets rid of the elephant in the room and, and make, helps you make a hard choice. Helps, helps keep you helps keep you honest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, Not that there's any dishonesty with you guys. You guys are always above board, but it's, it's true. I think it's just, it helps to look at things objectively versus subjectively, right? Sometimes in your business, you're, you're, you're in the forest. So it's hard to see the trees and it kind of forces you to get out of it and, and to see it differently from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, Can I add one more, one more thing on that? Tony, is, yeah. um, you know, we have an advisory board, but I have heard of with different people, uh, different things. Like I know there was one group, they used to, it was a bunch, it was a business owner from each different industry. So it wasn't all oil field. It'd be maybe one guy was in a trucking and one guy was in uh, a furniture, maybe owned a furniture store and, and one, and, and they would meet once a month for breakfast. And yeah. then one of the people would talk about how their business was doing. And, and so I've heard of different types of support groups to it. You know, everybody, it doesn't have to be an advisory board, but you know, it is, you're so scared. You think nobody else, everybody else are just millionaires running around, going to Hawaii, and they have no problems, right? And it, it's actually really, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, when you actually realize everybody else is going through similar things that you're going yes. through, whether it's employees or loans or debts or high times, or you're going through a low time or COVID, like we all, all are going through this. And nobody... You know, everybody has their strengths, but it's not like there's one guy that's just so doing so awesome and, and, and some guy just sucks, right? Like we're all going through these struggles together in a different way. Well, I so appreciate that. And it's just, it's a great place to, to end this episode because this is the, this is the reason why we do the show is to let people know that they're not alone in their financial challenges. It's what, it's what kills 82% of businesses is financial mismanagement. And everybody thinks that they're all on their own, making these mistakes all on their own, especially as business people, there's this perception that we're supposed to have our numbers together. We're supposed to know better, but you know, we're just, we're not taught this stuff. Very few of us are taught at home. Very few of us were taught in school, right. By taught by parents. So um, I just, I want to thank both of you really for coming on here. It takes a, it takes a lot of courage to come to a podcast, first of all. And then secondly, to talk about Especially when you look like me, <laughs> <laughs> guys are beyond handsome. Um, uh talking about numbers and money. And so I so appreciate you, you just getting real about the topic. And I know that there's going to be so many people listening in on this that are like, bam, bam, bam. Right. And so, so many great suggestions there. I'm going to have show notes. So they will kind of articulate some of these, some of these key points. I just say one thing that I've really taken away from this is your, uh, your, your four, four tool toolkit. I don't know what you want to call it there, but the vision, the culture, the execution, the action plan, and then the numbers to just, it's kind of like, that's your lifeline out of any sort of stress stressor that, you know, you just always keep coming back to that as a company, you know, Harley, you're doing it, Jason, you're doing it. And you're all following that, that, um, that rope through the, through the proverbial fire, but in your case, it was literal as well. So thank you guys for doing this. I so appreciate it. Um, I'm going to leave it there again. So appreciate you being on the, on the, uh, on the call today and in the lab and for everyone that's listening. So appreciating you, all of you taking the time to listen to this story. 
As always, feel free to reach out, post your comments down below, and we will see you again in the Gab Lab for our next episode. Bye for now. Everybody. I got one last comment. Oh, go for it. Go. When Ted Girl. Rogers was 88 years old, right? The owner, the head guy for all the Rogers, he was asked what his greatest accomplishment in business was at 88 years old. And his answer was, I survived. <laughs> Thanks for having us on, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Bye, guys. Lots of love. <laughs>